When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Dan from Desert Island Dicks. This episode features the wonderful Tom Kerridge. He's got a book out this week called Outdoor Cooking, The Ultimate Modern Barbecue Bible, and he was an absolute joy to speak to. Also, I'm fairly certain he's the first guest we've had that's been on both Desert Island Dicks and also Desert Island Discs, so he's a member of a pretty exclusive club. We recorded this back in April and at the time I was a bit ill, which is why my voice sounds a bit croaky and pubescent at times, but you know, I'm fine now, so thanks for asking. Regular listeners will have noticed that things have been a bit quiet at Camp Dicks recently and there haven't been the usual regular episodes of Desert Island Dicks and Compact Dicks thrown at you every week and that's basically because things have just been a bit crazy here. Uh, I mentioned before in the podcast that earlier this year our son was born six weeks early which is all a bit crazy though fortunately he's fine now but almost as soon as we got him home my mum went into hospital and she's been there for the last couple of months with various things wrong with her so that's been pretty stressful. Also, me and James, who I host this with, are both moving house in the next couple of months, all things being well, so that's another thing to deal with. Now, the reason I'm going into all of this is that after this episode, we're going to take a little pause for a bit, and then we're going to come back with a new series, because although we love doing this weekly and getting loads of episodes out for you all regularly, we think this will be a bit more manageable, and we'll have more time to find some shit-hot guests to amuse you in the future. But we are going to be back as soon as we can, and make sure the wait is worth your while and in the meantime there are loads of episodes in our back catalogue for you to enjoy so please do dip your arm in have a rummage amongst the dicks and pull yourself out a corker and do feel free to go and leave us a nice rating and a review if only out of pity and make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and then you'll be the first to know when we're back again okay enough from me here's desert island dicks with tom kerridge and we'll be back in a bit Hi, I'm Dan Benedictus and welcome to Desert Island Dicks, the show that sees you marooned on a desert island after a plane crash with the worst people and worst things imaginable. Who they are and why they're a dick is up to our guest and here to share their Desert Island Dicks with us today is chef, restaurateur and he's also got a new book out, Tom Kerridge. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you my friend. I'm looking forward to being marooned on an island or maybe I'm not, I'm not quite sure which one. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the how bad it is sort of depends on uh, on your choice that we're going to find out so uh yeah it's up to you i guess but um it might be quite ropey then it may be quite ropey yeah yeah exactly what sort of mood are you in today that uh, what how do we find you today i'm i'm good like i've got to be honest i'm normally pretty i'm normally it does it doesn't fluctuate too much it's fairly it's fairly standardly um I would say pretty much sits around 85% positivity. Okay, yeah, because, I mean, obviously we've not met before. The sort of the vibe we get from you, you know, I've seen you on telly and things like that, is you seem a very upbeat person. So was it difficult choosing a list of people and things that you hate? No, 
<laughs> quite simple. No, I I mean I'm always quite good at being up. Um, I'm yeah. I I have I genuinely wake up in normally a good space pretty much every day. Um, but yeah, yeah. No, I don't really dislike too many people. I like people, but that I have there are certain people that that or there are certain traits about people. That's more like where I was looking with this is traits about people that I'm not always biggest fans of. So they, they so it's and then you got to find someone that fits into that. And that was that was some of them were easier than others. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm very interested to hear uh, what we're going to get. So let's get straight into it. Who's going to be the first person joining you on the island today? Well. To be honest, it's, it's, it, it was politicians, right? And mm. it's not, and it's not that they're not important, and it's not that politics aren't important. I just get so fed up of talking and listening to sentences that go round and round in circles that have never answered a question, and it drives me absolutely nuts. And this isn't a political statement. It could mm. be from any party, and it could be because they're all they're all guilty of it. However, the one that I think is probably the worst, and it was a toss-up between Matt Hancock and um, Gavin Williamson, but I'm going to go with Gavin Williamson because he's just... I, I just... I, I mean, it's almost toe-cringingly, curlingly, embarrassingly, <laughs> the way that politicians behave or talk on... Uh, and it's been quite a weird thing during this pandemic and the whole because mm. all of our lives, comedians, chefs, restaurateurs, musicians, actors, like just like everybody's life has suddenly become run by politicians. So all of a sudden, people whose jobs were kind of existing to how you run your life and how you make your life, but you're still making those decisions, you get on with it. And the decisions that politicians might make kind of half affect your life and they do, and you vote for a particular reason in a particular way. But then all of a sudden this pandemic has put politicians at the forefront of everybody's decision-making about everybody's life. And it's kind of exposed them for how, I, I mean, how ultra pathetic a load of them are, how <laughs> not straight talking, how not honest they are, how all over the place they are and why they won't ever answer a straight question drives me absolutely nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Because I guess, as you say, like, you know, in a lot of life when things are kind of just sort of ticking along, you know, there's always some kind of crisis, but, you know, not on this scale. So it's quite easy to generally sort of bluff your way through stuff a lot of the time. And it's like, well, that will just yeah it'll get it'll get sorted out later whereas now it's like you haven't got answers and and this is unprecedented and you know you now you do need to give a concrete answer and not just sit on the fence about stuff hundred like, you know, percent you know it's like in a war or something it, well that's it exactly and i think politicians have been just massively exposed because quite often you could go with you know we are looking for answers and honesty and we're looking for straight talking decision making and and quite often it never happens and and I do get, I don't envy any of them. Like, you know, I don't envy, I don't envy this government in any way in terms of what they've had to face this year. Like, you know, in terms of their decision making. But, and you hear it said so many times that, yeah, but, you know, you know, it's been very, very difficult for this government and everyone around. Yeah, but that still doesn't excuse them being rubbish at their job, does it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You could still be, I know it's a really difficult thing, but if you're rubbish at your job, but now we've just found rubbish people in charge of things where we need really yeah. good people, we need solid decision makers. And, you know, to oversee, and, and I've picked on Gavin Williamson just solely because, 
you know, the way that I think the education system is being dealt with. It's it's not the health thing, because you could always pick on that. And Matt Hancock has had a very difficult... He's talking about people's lives. You know, we're talking about, uh, you know, health. We're talking about life and death, right? And decision-making that he's making. Gavin Williamson is talking about... He's having to deal with um, students' GCSEs. He's talking about, you know, kids' education. And, he, and it just seems that he's got so much of it wrong. And then there's never been a straight talking answer to getting it right or or admitting that they've got it wrong. Those are the things that uh, drive me absolutely nuts. So it could be a generalisation of any politician that doesn't answer questions in a straight and honest manner or... I've just I've just picked on Gavin Williamson because I just find him I think he's probably the worst. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as you say, stiff competition. Um, yeah, it's a weird thing with politicians, isn't it? Because most things, it's like, right, you want to do this job, you need to do training for it. Like, you know, you want to work in a restaurant, you know, whether front of house or, or cooking or whatever. You know, you need to do the appropriate training so you have the skills. Whereas being a politician, it's like you sort of want to be a politician and then they'll put you in charge of something massive that you've got no expertise in. It's like, oh, right, uh, Gavin, well, now you're going to be in charge of ed- education. I know it was something else before, but this year you're going to be in charge of this huge thing with massive consequences that you've got no idea about. And you're like, and why should you? Because you were doing something else last year and you never trained for this. It's just such a crazy way of living, isn't it? It's absolutely bizarre, isn't it? I find the whole thing ludicrous and ridiculous. That I know we then rely on the civil service to get it all right and for them to direct the politicians in the in the correct manner in the right way and with the with the helping them with their decision making but it is it does sound like you say it's absolutely ridiculous you know gavin williamson has not been a head teacher or a university a lecturer or or principal you know but all of a sudden he's found himself in charge of them all it's quite it is absolutely bonkers it's like saying to me right you're now in charge of heathrow airport this year it's like what <laughs> i mean how would that ever happen but it does yeah well, I mean, the food quality's obviously gone up, but the planes are very late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. They're taking off in the wrong direction. No one knows where they're going. Is it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but everyone's having a lovely meal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, you said you're quite an upbeat person. How would you feel about being stuck on an island then with Gavin Williamson? I mean, do you think, would you? are you the sort of person that would snap when he's just going round in circles or sort of bigging himself up for things that he didn't really achieve? Yeah, sort of there thing? would come a point where I go, look, mate, you just got, you just have to be on it. The one, do you know what, the one thing, and this is what makes hospitality such a beautiful industry to work in and it's brilliant because it's, you can't blag your way. You can't pretend, you know, you're either, you get, you learn your trade and you get better at it. And the same you know customers and guests that come in the restaurant they're they're now educated they understand food people know what they want they watch cookery programs they read magazines they do whatever they cook themselves loads at home so people have an understanding of how to get to a process and people like good service and you can't pretend to be something else and there's no excuse there's nowhere to hide and there's no you know so you've got the one thing about the hospitality industry it's always full of like really straight talking honest um doers people that get things done and that and it's so in the end if you you know if 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 you weren't honest and 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 straight and this is the biggest thing right i don't think many people in this country would mind if politicians went yeah i proper got this wrong here like i'm really mm. sorry this is what we, we've learned from this and we're going to move on from it do you know what i mean i but yeah. but they don't they never 
they never admit they're wrong. What they constantly do is just try and swerve it and try and blame something else or do something. But that, but that doesn't wash anymore. I don't think with with us yeah. at home. We, we kind of like we like honesty. We like direct. We don't like a direct because you can always forgive somebody if they go. Do you know what? I I really got this wrong. We learn from it, and next time we're going to do this, or we're going to move on. And that—that's where I think that—that's where I think the difference between the hospitality industry and politicians are. <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. that's the difference between not just everybody and politicians. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely seems to be quite a quite a standout trait, and I suppose. Yeah, obviously it isn't an easy job, but I think if you just suspected that they cared a bit either way, you know, and just went, you know, yeah, I've dropped the ball, I'm really sorry. But just sort of going, oh, no, I don't agree at all that it was a, a failure, you know, and it's like, well, you know, I know the media spin things a bit, but we've got a rough idea of how this went down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can see it with our own eyes. I mean, yeah. yeah, you may not be calling it a vaccine passport, Changing the word passport to certificate, still, well, we can see through this. We're not that stupid. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Fair enough. Okay, so that's uh, that's one person you're stuck with on the island. And uh, uh, who who's going to be the next person joining you? All right. So I'm not. So I've always. I I went to a school where it was full of like naughty boys, and I liked hanging around with the naughty boys, and it was a good laugh. And I like people that are a little bit extreme, um, and don't really live by the rules and just do kind of what they want. Their, their moral compass is in the correct place, but don't always conform to society and get, they get on doing their, doing their own route, going, going mm. their own way, dressing how they want, saying what they want, doing what they want, as long as it's not harming anybody else or being, you know. So I like people to break the rules and stretch the boundaries and do stuff. I like hanging around with that. So somebody who is the complete opposite of that, I couldn't, I couldn't think of anybody worse to spend time with than... Um, so you're probably you might be older. You know He Man, like the cartoon. Yeah. So like Prince Adam before he's He Man <laughs> has to be the dullest, most square, most boring person to spend any time with. There, that that man is a fun sponge. Like everything about him is. I couldn't think of anything more dull than hanging out with Prince Adam from He Man. <laughs> That's uh, that's definitely the first time he's been chosen on here, so I think that's a a very good choice. Yeah, I can't even really remember him that much, and I loved him when I was young. I love watching He Man and stuff, but he's just a kind of a very normal do goody prince, isn't he? Oh, mate, he's just so dull. He's just the mo- like you know, stay between the lines, do the right thing, always be nice, never like. You know, never have a cigarette, never have a drink, never do like never do anything that's any fun ever, and you'll never <laughs> ever get told off. And it's just like I mean, it's so mind-numbingly, but like the idea of spend like you know, all right, two minutes with him, and you walk away going, yeah, he's a really lovely, pleasant bloke. I wouldn't want to be stuck on an island with him, and that's the first thing that'd be in my head. <laughs> so now I'm stuck on an island with him, like Prince Adam. From him before he's now he man would be a different thing, maybe yeah. maybe if we could create chaos and mayhem somewhere that he'd have to turn into he man. Like I don't know if you follow um, Grumpy Skeletor on Twitter, right? Oh if, yeah. If you don't, you should because it's it, see Grumpy Skeletor. I would want to spend time with, and he is the complete opposite of he man. So maybe if you created something like chaos and mayhem, he man turned up. Then it might be a little bit better, but when he goes back to being Prince Adam, not for me. Dull, 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 dull. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Yeah, and I guess it's the same with his cat as well, because Battle Cat before is Cranger, who's like a sort of cowering yeah. kind of tiger and everything. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. that's a weird thing as well. And it's it's not like they... I mean, I suppose, how does he... He gets the power of Grayskull, doesn't he? So I suppose he has a sort of spell that transforms him. So I suppose that's the kind of... Because I was like, how can you suddenly be so different? You know, but um, I guess it's just witchcraft, isn't it? <laughs> I was thinking, actually, like the other day that... Um, because I remember, and I think they maybe did this on a couple of cartoons back in the 80s, but I remember on He-Man, at the end, there was always like a separate little bit that was like, give you a little lesson. Yeah, like that? a and little like, moralistic story. Let the, the, yeah, yeah, and remember, kids. Yeah. yeah, do you remember when she was running without looking where she was going? She tripped over that rock and almost fell into the jaws of that giant spider. Well, remember, look when you're running. And it's like, I'm four. Yeah. Well, of course I'm not going to look when I'm running. <laughs> exactly that. See, I would not want to spend the whole, like, however long I'm trapped on this island with someone constantly moralistically pointing out to me that I should have been looking which way I was going before I was running and be very careful while I'm setting fire to something of the campfire. to cook. Like, I mean, I would just, honestly, it would just be so dull. Like, I'm already I'm in a little bit of cold sweats about the thought of hanging out with Gavin Williamson and Adam from Hema. Uh, it's like, that for me is, mm. it's, 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 it's pretty poor. It's bad. It's yeah. bad. It's a bad, that's a bad, that's a bad couple of people. Yeah, because at least with He-Man, he'd be going, now, listen, Tom, remember, be careful when you're gathering uh, coconuts over there because, you know, if they fall, I remember once I had to do this and he was like, oh, yeah, tell me the story about how something bad happened and you saved everyone. Whereas you're only getting the first part of that story with yeah. Prince Adam, aren't you? Like, <laughs> exactly. Just the vanilla that. version of, of everything. Yeah, and if He-Man so, yeah. was there, like at least you could like mess around with his massive, like his great big sword, smashing up stuff, cutting things down, doing stuff. <laughs> you could have a ride on Battle Cat. You could do, you know, all of it. You could have a bit more fun. But if yeah. you were with Prince Adam and Cringe, like the, this dull cat that was just asleep by the fire and some bloke telling you some really uninteresting story about how to look left and right before you cross the road. I mean, for, it's just not, that's it. That's it. That's, that's, that's not a space I'd want to be. I try swimming. <laughs> I'm fairly certain I, I would, I would, I would just leave swim and keep going. And then I get think... into trouble and then he man would come and rescue me. <laughs> yeah. But I wonder if maybe he couldn't, I mean, cause I guess, does he have to be at Grayskull to get the power of Grayskull? Can he just get it anywhere or does he have to be sort of in the right sort of area? Yeah. I don't he, think he needs to be in the right postcode yeah. or it doesn't quite work. Yeah, he has so to maybe be like in Desert zones Island, one and can't. two in London, otherwise it doesn't reach that far. Yeah, yeah, like a bad Wi-Fi signal or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I think often on this podcast, like what I find is quite often it's like, Things that could sometimes be the worst thing are something that's very close to being brilliant, but just not quite there, yeah. you know. And and that's a perfect example of that, I think. Yeah, yeah, I feel, yeah. They, I mean, because like I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't think Gavin Williamson is a bad person, and I don't think Prince Adam definitely not a bad person, just dull. Yeah, just dull. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I think in the set, in the setting of a desert island, you know, you could forgive a lot of people's past lives just to sort of concentrate on the here and now but they've got to come with some chat you know yeah they've got to have a bit of banter haven't they they've got to have some form of personality <laughs> i think that's a really good choice and who's going to be the third person rounding off your selection for the island so last one is a is a, is a, is a character um hmm. annie wilkes now i don't know if that rings a bell yeah. or not so annie wilkes is a character played by kathy bates in misery have oh, you ever seen yes. misery 
So Misery is the movie where um, there's an author, um, a very famous author who has a car crash in the snow and is really badly injured in the middle of nowhere. And then he wakes up um, and he's been rescued by this woman and wakes up in her house. And it's, uh, and he's very grateful for her rescuing um, him. Uh, but he, he finds that he's badly injured and he's beginning to heal but she's actually like a mentally crazed super fan that is hugely obsessed that would have a massive amount of restraining orders out on him and all sorts and so she then is obsessed by him and the books that he writes and does not let him escape or leave the room or the house that they're in to the point where there's a bit where she puts a big block between his legs and snaps his ankles with a mallet where he tries getting mm. like it's properly like full-on psycho lunacy and so someone who's um a slightly obsessive or massively over obsessive crazed um super fan that would be prepared to smash your ankles with uh <laughs> with, with with sledgehammers is someone who i would not want to be uh trapped on an island with unless of course she was a massive super fan of prince adam <laughs> that's a very wise choice yeah it's you know what I'd, I'd forgotten that's the character's name but as soon as he as soon as he said misery i was like hobbling that the word hobbling when she does the thing to the ankles it's just i think like, i can't remember much of the film but that bit will stay with me forever yeah i, I mean to be honest not much else happens in the film or, or like the bloke tries to escape and he not he's not allowed to leave she doesn't let him leave and he knocks uh She's got all these like weird little trinkets in the house and he knocks, I think it's like a little porcelain penguin figure over and then he picks it up and he puts it back, but it's facing the wrong way. So then you go, oh no, she's going to know that it's facing the other way. And then he gets back in his room and you know that's the point that you think she knows and that's the point where she goes to smash his legs so that she knows he can't escape she just doesn't want him to escape yeah. or leave ever and apart from that i don't really know i can't think what else happens in the movie apart from it's quite psychologically full-on like pretty horrible fan obsessive and it's a bit mm. yeah so this is yeah but you do think of the hobbling bit it's horrible it's hor horrible movie <laughs> But I think as someone like that with that kind of personality on the island, I mean, obviously, it's not a good person to have on the island, but I think they'd really lull you into a false sense of security as well because it'd start off and you'd be like, do you know what? She's all right. Maybe she's got better. Like, I think, you know, she seems quite kind, actually. And then it, one day she'd be like, now, Tom, don't go over to that side of the island again because uh, when she give you a reason, you're like, okay. And then the next day she's like, where'd you get that coconut? I think I told you not to go over to that site and you're like, oh no, yeah. you know, so it's kind of, built, you know, at least if she was just crazy from the beginning, you're like, right, I know what I'm dealing with now. But you'd kind of be lulled into that sort of sense of like, oh, maybe it's okay. I don't know. Yeah. And do you know what the worst thing about it is, right? I don't think we'd ever be able to escape either. That'd be the problem because she's obviously a super fan. She She's a super fan obsessive of Prince Adam, Gavin Williamson and myself, right? That's, that's, yeah. that, that's all three of us. She's a super fan of all three of us. That then when you see the ship that's coming, that's perhaps coming to rescue us, she would make it go away. She would say, it would make, no, 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 they're all, we're all fine. We're all just staying here because it would mm. ruin her, her plan of us being able to escape and get on with our normal real lives. So yeah, I think if she was on there, I don't think there would ever be any escape ever. <laughs> yeah, I just like the idea of like someone with that 
that personality and then someone like Gavin Williamson just having a conversation. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just such a odd combination of people. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, and then Prince Adam explaining to her that smashing people's uh, ankles in with sledgehammers is moralistically unjust. And, you know, the moral of the story is you must always let people make their own decisions and walk away <laughs> if they want to or something really boring. Yeah, and then even when she gets bad, he can't help you because he's not He-Man. You know, he's almost He-Man and yeah. he can't be. He's just a pathetic so... shell of He-Man, a husk of He-Man. <laughs> oh, that's a really good trio of people. I think that's a, a very good, awkward choice for the island. <laughs> okay, <laughs> well, Tom, mercifully, amongst the wreckage of the plane, there was some food and drink left over. Unfortunately for you, it's your least favourite food and drink in the world. What are they and why are they so bad? Well, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be two things that probably people really love. And first, so it's going to be lobster, right? So mm. obviously there's loads of people who will be loving that, think it's the best thing ever. How could you not have a lobster on it? I mean, lobster's amazing. It's, it's almost like the king of the sea. It's this crustacea that's been around for years and years and years and it lives for such a long time and it cooks beautifully. You could cook it on open fires. You can poach it. You can do all sorts with it. It takes on wonderful flavours. It's an amazing thing except I've got a shellfish allergy. So <laughs> I would have to spend the whole time, obviously, being the chef cooking it. So I would be smelling this lobster, cooking the lobster, obviously, for Gavin, uh, Prince Adam and, and uh, Annie Wilkes, uh, but never, ever being able to eat it. So it would be, yeah. it would be, it would be, yeah, lobster is the food that I would, <laughs> is, is, is my, yeah, my worst nightmare for yeah. to have there. Because, I mean, as a chef, for you, even though you know it's basically poison for you, is it also still impossible for you to see people cook it badly? Would you have to step in and go, look, come on, you can't treat that ingredient like that. I've got, let me do it. Exactly. Still, exactly even if that. you hated these people. Yeah, exactly that. I can't bear watching other people cook things badly. Like, you know, you're around at friends' houses or or the in-laws or my mum's house or something, and we, you know, and they go to cook lunch or something. You got, I've just got to do it because it's just. It's less fuss. It's a lot easier. It's what I do. I know. I know what I'm doing. It's gonna be the end result's gonna be better. I just can't bear to sit back and watch somebody else do it, even if it's something that I can't eat. So I, I would, I would spend my days constantly cooking lobster for free people that I don't want to be with. It sounds like this is the this is this is turning into the worst nightmare ever. Yeah, watching people you hate eat incredible food that you you have cooked and can't eat. Oh, yeah, exactly yeah. that. Yeah, so lobster would be there. And then the drink would be something that is incredibly trendy and everybody, well, I don't know, everybody kind of, kind of, I think they pretend they like it or that mm. they want to drink it because it's so, it's healthy and it's trendy and it's great. It's kombucha. So for me, I, I am not a kombucha fan. Like something that's fermented and bubbly that is like that is supposed to be good for your stomach i think it just gives you wind or the shits it's just not mm. i'm i am not i am not a kombucha fan i gotta be honest it's just it's mm. i i it's it's not diet tonic or see i am i'm not a drinker i'm a non-drinker now i haven't drunk for nearly um nearly eight years so it's kind of like you know it's it's not canistella either is it if you want something <laughs> that's got bubbles and fermented a little bit you, why aren't you drinking lager Mm. yeah it's a weird thing isn't it because it's like if i want something i'd rather just have an overall healthy diet than have to add that into my diet do you know what i mean i think there's other things that are good for my gut health 
that I can enjoy, you know, like kimchi or something. But then like, but having like these sort of drinks, I'm like, can I not just be healthy in other ways? Do you know what I mean? Because if I want like a, if I'm going to go to the shop and buy a drink, it feels annoying to then not have something nice come out of that, you know. It's like when people go, oh, like these berries, like goji berries are really good for you. They're like better than like this many of an equivalent fruit. And you're like, I'd rather have more of the other fruit that tastes nicer. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I do get the power of superfoods and I do get how it helps and boosts and all this sort of stuff. But do, do you know what I mean? Can't we just have extra orange juice in the morning? You know, what can't mm. we have, you know, what about just some yogurt? What about some, you know, things that it's just not for me. So kombucha and, and lobster is not. However, I'm pretty certain that Prince Adam lives off that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm fairly certain. That, like, I mean, he's a fine specimen of human being. I mean, he's he's got shoulders like Adam Peaty, the swimmer and a six pack like you wouldn't believe. Uh, like, I mean, he's super fit, isn't he? So he's definitely all about gut health. He's definitely drinking loads and loads <laughs> of kombucha. And, you know, he's a prince. So he, he's he's got to be caning lobster, breakfast, lunch and dinner. So, you know, it turns I would end up just being Prince Adam's um, personal food and beverage manager um, by the looks of it. I love the idea of Prince Adam's all about gut health. I think, isn't it? <laughs> that's a great quote that's a really good quote but yeah i mean i just like that i just think it's so cruel to have to cook something delicious that you can't eat for people that you hate i just think it's such a perfectly nightmarish scenario i think i think you nailed that tom so fair enough yeah this desert island is getting worse by the minute the more we talk about it it's getting it's horrible (laughs) (laughs) okay well i'm going to distract you but again uh with something unpleasant because fortunately you won't be without entertainment on the island the plane's entertainment system continues to work but just your luck it only has two working settings one is your least favorite film of all time and the other is your least favorite song what are they and why um it's got to be and there's so many songs right you could have picked like barbie girl you could have picked i mean there's just so many like rubbish anything by mr blobby anything by jive bunny and like all these like awful awful however i I got to pick Mustang Sally. Like, mm. I, and I just cannot bear it. So I was born in the 70s and grew up in the 80s and the early 90s was probably the point of going out, out proper for the first time, like being... And that's kind of when karaoke was kind of becoming quite a thing. And it's also when The Commitments, the movie... Now, The Commitments movie is all right, like, in mm. terms of the kind of movie. It's all right, like, it's an all right film. Yeah. about musicians and it's quite so it's quite a little it tries to be edgy but it's not that edgy but it's but the mustang sally bit that people just sing like pub singers like blokes that think they're really good singers that whole i mean what's even about mustang sally i mean what are we talking about here we're, i mean we're, we're we're in northern europe we're free why are we singing about american car it's just i just cannot bear that track at all in fact it, I just everything about it makes me it, it makes me curl cringe like I I can't <laughs> I can't be, I just imagine really poor bad karaoke from the 90s with people singing Mustang Sally and that's that I couldn't I, I mean I, I, it would drive me more I'd rather eat the lobster and die than listen <laughs> to Mustang Sally 
more than twice on repeat. <laughs> you make a good case for it, definitely. I, th- I think, yeah, it's that sort of thing, like, as you say, like someone at a karaoke doing it badly, and you know outside they've got, like, a bit of a ropey muscle car that they've imported and they won't stop going on about, even though they live somewhere with really small roads and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and, you go and, back and to they probably still they... live at their mum's. Yeah, but in their bedroom they've got, like, some, like, you know, cow horns hung up or something, <laughs> yeah. you know. Like... Yeah, and CB radio. Yeah, yeah, with a, a nice <laughs> Call sign. Oh, you know, call me Tex. Like, no. Yeah, yeah. Call Jonathan. Yeah. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. That kind of that false pretend hood of it all. I, I can't bet. And it's just that that track is just. I just find it. I I can't bear it. Like I just mm. can't bear it. Because there's some other good songs in that sort of soundtrack, aren't there? Like it's quite sort of you know it's good like some good soul and stuff like that. But yeah, that that really sort of snuck in there. Didn't it, it? Is, yeah, no, there is some brilliant kind of soul music. It's like it, it it is not a bad film with some good tracks. There's just something about that track. The way everything about it, I just cannot. I can't. I can't bear it. Can't bear it. I think it's in the same sort of camp as like um, that Black Betty song, you know, yeah, the, uh, Ram yeah, Jam. Exactly Again, the same. Yeah, and people do that at karaoke as well. It's like, what? What is this song? Yeah. Why are we playing this? Yeah, it's so bad, isn't it? And there's there's a lot of them that sit in that camp. That karaoke, everyone kind of half knows the words. They want to be involved in it. It makes them all of a sudden feel that they're really cool musicians and they're singers because they know a few of the words. It's just, I, I hate it. I, <laughs> I can't bear it at all. I think this might be the one that I've seen you like get the most angry about. I think so. Yeah, it, it drives yeah. me nuts. That. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. It definitely conjures up a certain kind of person who I think, in their own right, could just be on the island as an annoying person. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Do you know what would be the worst about it? Is if it was Gavin Williams' favorite song, Williamson's favorite song, and he loves to sing it at karaoke. Mm. You could imagine that, though. He's the sort of person that you're like, oh, look, people might might think I'm this uh, straight-laced politician, but uh, I've actually got a collection of over five pairs of cowboy boots at home. (laughs) You know, that's his thing. (laughs) Yeah, well, that is a vision that I'm not sure I'd want to see. I've got to be honest. Uh, And and I do a really mean Mustang Sally (laughs) sing-along. Right, yeah. Now this is is getting a lot worse. This is getting a a lot worse. (laughs) Okay, what would your uh, film choice be then? It's a genre, right? Okay. So, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, you could pick any one of them, and um, and it's musicals. Mm, I mean, yeah. now I get I get movies, and I love them. I love watching films; they're brilliant. And I I quite like going to the theatre. I never quite hundred percent get into it. Weirdly, I find theatre just a little bit. It's everything's a bit over. Acted. It's a bit over because you've got to reach the back of the auditorium and you've got to like mm. I, I get it. But yeah. I like being in theatres. I like going to watch stand up comedy or I like going to watch live music and I love all of that sort of stuff. But I don't like um, I'm a huge supporter of the arts. And but musicals, I just don't get right because there is that bit between you're telling a story. Right. So act the story, tell the story, be the film, do what. Why are you singing me a story like I'm I, I'm 47 mm. I don't need a lullaby. I just why 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 are you why are you singing this? I don't I don't I I just don't get it. So the movie yeah. could be it could be Greece, it could be Les Mis. This isn't my world. This isn't one that I, I I appreciate that these guys have trained very hard. They're incredible singers. It's amazing. But you're singing me a story. I'm, I'm mm. out. Sorry, I'm out. Yeah, because it's sort of 
theatre for people who don't like theatre and music for people who probably don't like music that much. I don't know, because it's, it, it's like, it's a real style of musical singing that is different to, it's like, technically, I get that you're, you've got a strong voice and you're in tune, but there's something about it that I can't put my finger on. It's really like, it's you could sing any song in that style and it's just like, oh, this, I just don't like, it's like a bit too loud and a bit too sort of, something a bit brash about it. And yeah, it's just like any song that I love in sung by somebody who does musical theatre is just like, oh. It's weird, know. isn't it? I, I, see, you could say that when you see things like, not that I'm its biggest fan or anything, but I have seen it a few times, things like The Voice or um, mm. Britain's Got Talent or whatever. It's when someone sings a song and they're really good. Like The Voice is a prime example. You've got people that sing songs and they're great. And then you have someone from musical theatre who comes on there and sings what is essentially a well-known rock or pop song or something like that and it suddenly takes it into this weird space doesn't it it makes it become a performance i mean i don't it doesn't feel real anymore i think that's what it is i like real i like realness and the moment you're singing me a story you're now out of character you're not the actor or something you're now no one in real life i don't sing to my friends that i'm going to the petrol station to fill my car up and whilst i'm there i'll buy some pork scratchings do i mean like no one sings that in their life do they so you come out of character and you become this something else and that yeah so i don't i don't i'm not really into musical theater yeah i tell you what's funny like because see like opera is you know like the sort of high end of these things and i i've been to a couple of operas like uh, like i went with my mum on her birthday once and what i thought is funny is because it's all sort of generally in like a foreign language they get away with loads but then like you know they have like the subtitles sometimes they have like a little screen above and like there's this man just belting out this incredible voice and it's really powerful but there's loads of stuff that you don't realise until you like read it that is just setting the scene. And he's like belting out and he's like, here in the square, it's a lovely day, woman selling flowers, over there there's the baker, hello to everyone. And it's just like mundane shit, but it's delivered in this like incredible, huge voice. And you're like, oh, right, it's just, he's just talking about it's a nice day. And it's not even got to the bit about like, there is the woman who I love and I must you know, must defy he, all others for her heart and all this. He's essentially like, reading a child's book in a foreign language, but singing it. That's essentially <laughs> what's happening. It's like a child's reading book being sung at the best as he can in Italian. I mean, what is that about? <laughs> I think it's a very good summary of it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> that, yeah. That, that, that's my heathen example of what opera is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my understanding of opera is that someone essentially sings a child's reading book in a foreign language as loud as they can. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair enough. Nice. Okay, so musicals are, are going on with you then. Fair play. Now, uh, Tom, finally, the island is overrun by the biggest dick of all the animals. Which animal is it and why? Yeah, I've, I think it's probably got to be, I mean, of all the ones that you don't want to be on an island with. Now, I, I'm not normally into animals, but I've got a five-year-old son who absolutely, he's mad about me, loves him. So I'm learning more about animals and like, I, you know, ever, you know, like I ever mm. paid any interest in it when I was at school. However, he's mad into anything carnivores. He's mad into anything that kills and eats. He like he, he's just all over it. He loves them. He loves watching that. Not like cartoons of it, like the real stuff, like on YouTube, mm. like animals eating stuff. Like, I'm like, okay, all right. What is it? I mean, it's real life, is it? But the of the more the one that's like the most crazy, a hungry polar bear. I mean, mm. that is someone who you do not want to spend time with. That is like <laughs> that is somebody who's. I mean. 
irrespective, I mean, they are, they just, you know, your time on that island is not going to be there very long if you are sharing it with a hungry polar bear. So I'm going yeah. for the animal that I really don't want to spend any time with uh, is a hungry polar bear. Fair enough, yeah. And uh, I mean, I, do you know what? I think bears are one of those things that they sort of can look quite cuddly and nice, but then also terrifying. And especially like something about the proportions of a polar bear. They they sort of look a bit less scary than like a grizzly bear, you know, because their head's slightly smaller or something's a bit... Proportionally, there's something a bit more cuddly about them. Well, they're also they're the sort of thing that kids toys they're white and they're fluffy and they sit mm. and they're lovely and people associate them with winter and they're on christmas cards and they're yeah. all of those sort of things you go oh polar bears they're amazing but they're like twice the size of a grizzly bear and they're the biggest bears or something like that and then if yeah. you actually watch like proper wildlife programs with polar bears in them they're not actually white most of them are a little bit gray and then when they've eaten something they are red they're covered yeah. in dripping blood and bits of animals. There is nothing cuddly or Christmassy about them. They're, they're like yeah. they're like vicious animals, predators that will tear you limb from limb. Yeah, and I heard this thing about, I don't know if it's all bears, but I heard this thing about bears that like most animals, like a tiger or something, will kill you and then eat you. A bear doesn't bother, it just starts eating. And, See, and that I, makes it even worse. Like, yeah, they just, just go, okay. You. I mean, he's yeah, just, just eating. They'll just stand on you and then just keep eating. And that's like, I don't know if it's all bears, as I say, in case, you know, in case any sort of... In case you offend a koala. Yeah I, don't, yeah, I don't want someone to write and go, you got that wrong about bears. I mean, I would say our audience is fairly tolerant about me just mouthing off about all kinds of shit. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, that is like just such a chilling thing to know about them. So Yeah, that, that yeah. makes it loads worse. that you, you could be pinned watching him eat your arm. Like, mm. I mean, you could you could have at least have the respect of like chewing through my throat first so that I died and then eat my arm. But no, yeah. you're like, you know, what what happens if he likes feet first? What happens if he likes like <laughs> what happens if he likes white trainers and toes first? And then like you're proper done, aren't you? You're eating from the bottom up. I mean, that's even worse. It'd take ages. Well, I suppose maybe because, you know, people like the dark meat or the white meat on chicken. There's no reason that the polar bear doesn't have the same thing. Yeah, I've got to be honest, though, of all the delicacies that you're going to eat off my, my feet, and the, they're not my strongest point. I've got to be honest, if you were going to eat anything first, I'd have gone for the arse. That's the one with the most meat on it and also plenty of fat and padding. So if, I, if, if you're any polar bears out there that's going to get stuck on an island with me and you want to eat me, just eat me from the arse first because that's <laughs> that, that would be that's the best meat. <laughs> uh, well, Tom, I think that's that with that, that's probably a fitting place to draw this to a close. I think. <laughs> uh, that's great. Thank you so much for coming on Desert Island Dicks today. Now, um, what have you got going on at the minute? Because obviously it's been like a tough sort of a tough period for, for chefs and um, people in hospitality. But um, what's what's going on with you at the minute? So we got the new book coming out, which is great. It's all about outdoor cookery, which would probably work brilliantly uh, on a uh, on a desert island. So, you know, yeah. it, 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 it's not just barbecues. It's all sorts of bits and bobs for cooking outside. Uh, and it's kind of features loads of recipes and dishes from around the world. So that comes out... Um, very soon um and it, it's got loads of lovely flavors in it and it's most definitely the sort of thing that you should pack with you um to take to your desert island it also it's it's quite thick so you could use it if you had enough copies of them you could build them together as a life raft and use it to escape from gavin williamson prince adam and annie wilkes
<laughs> Perfect. Brilliant. Well, like if we didn't need any more encouragement to buy it, that's a you sold it beautifully. <laughs> that's great. Well, thank you once again for coming on Desert Island Dicks. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you. Dan, it's a pleasure, Chief. Thank you very much, mate.